Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Plastic Planet podcast with myself, Dr. Rafilwe. Today, we have a somewhat of a non-conventional guest. His name is Henry Idulu. He is originally from Nigeria and now based in Edinburgh. He's currently completing his PhD in the engineering department. What is interesting about Henry is that he is an engineer with interest in sustainability. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Henry Vitolu. I'm originally from Nigeria, but currently I'm completing my PhD in Future Cities Engineering at the University of Edinburgh in the United Kingdom. Um, so my the way I sort of got into engineering is a bit uh, not the conventional kind of pathway to engineering. Uh, so my so I originally studied uh, meteorology and uh, climate science back home in Nigeria. Actually, my passion has always been space, space technology, space and astronomy, but because we didn't have aeronautics and space within my uh, my local university there. So I sort of, the closest topic to space was meteorology and climate science. So that was how I found myself studying meteorology. And uh, when I graduated from that, I then was opportune to get uh, Erasmus Mundo scholarship that sponsored my uh, master's degree in, in Europe. So I got to study in the UK, in Finland and Spain, where I, I got a triple master's degree in urban climate, sustainability, and uh, urban engineering. So that was actually the way I found myself, my pathway to engineering. So when I finished, just before I finished the master's, I applied and also got the opportunity to get a funding for my PhD, between a joint PhD between University of Edinburgh and University of Glasgow. So, and now I'm doing a PhD in engineering. So, so I, yeah, so my, the way I found myself in engineering is not that uh, the conventional, like you do a bachelor's in engineering, you do a master's in engineering, and then you do a PhD in engineering. No, so, so I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a typical engineer. Yeah. That's oh, it. wow. That, that is fascinating, actually. I, I think we will just unpack that, you know, as we just, you know, progress in, in the interview. But I just want okay. to get back to who is Henry? Um, you know, where did you, you just mentioned that you grew up in Nigeria and you yeah. went to university there. So, yeah. you know, just take us back to some of the things that uh, might have influenced the choices that you ended up making, you know, when it comes to your okay. career. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, so like I said, I studied uh, meteorology in Nigeria, and so the way I sort of like I said initially, I had always have this passion for space, space and astronomy. Like I always wanted to become an astronaut. I know that's sort of a cliche. Like every other child, every other kid you find is like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a pilot, like most people, <laughs> to fly a plane. <laughs> but for me, <laughs> mine was to be an astronaut, like to go into space and explore, basically. So 
But being from Africa, from Nigeria, where we don't, space is just, yeah, we watch it on movies, on TVs, but we don't really have a thriving space, uh, space technology in Nigeria. Uh, so that was, so I, so the way I found myself in meteorology was, so I, I was raised by my uncle. So I could remember back then he, every Saturdays, once we're done doing the morning chores, like Saturday cleaning or whatever. So he'll gather all, every, all of us into his study room. And then he sort of gave us like, um, every week he covers different uh so back then we were all in high school so every week he talks about different career paths like he once talked about uh yeah because he he's an engineer so he he must he once talked about like journalism um dentistry like career paths that most people don't know about like because everyone knows about lawyer engineer doctor but that's just the top three that everyone knows about. But he, every Saturday, he talks about different career paths. And there was a day he talked about weather forecasting. Like, you know, you could get a job, like a weather forecasting. You know, you watch that on TV every day to know about if rain is going to fall or not. So that was actually what picked my passion in meteorology. And given that, I've always had that interest in space. So I just joined these two together. I was like, okay, yeah, if you are looking at the clouds to determine if rain is going to fall or not, and use satellite imageries to see that. So yeah, that's actually close to what I've always wanted. So and my passion was like to work with NASA, like to work in a space agency, because, you know, to go to space someday. <laughs> so that was how I got to study meteorology. And um uh yeah yeah so I got to study meteorology and uh, from there I just sort of developed the passion for for that um while I was at uni I was volunteering with a global space uh space organization called Space Generation Advisory Council so it's a global uh, youth organization that sort of represented over twenty thousand. Uh, youths across the world, students and young professionals across the world. To the so we were like an observer at the UN Space uh Space Conference, at the UN Committee on Outer Space Affairs. So we the organization is an observer to that. So we represent the voice of young people to space, uh, in, young people interested in space to global uh policy leaders. So I was opportune to serve within the organization. I volunteered and I was um, I was a global membership manager where I was in charge of managing the whole entire global members database and then report that to the, as, part, as, as a global membership manager, I also sat on the global executive committee where we presented. So I come up with the numbers, crunch numbers and create insightful um, charts, which we present to the global space agencies about the growth of the organization and the voice basically the voice of young people interested in space so from there that was actually why i got to learn a lot about how to work with within a team not just a team like a global team there are times where we have to wake up like at night because global team Every, there's always meeting going on somewhere. So I have to like wake up till like 12 a.m. so as we can have a meeting with someone in Australia and someone in America. So so from while I was still a student 
at uni back in Nigeria studying meteorology, I was already getting this global worldview of having meetings with young people, students across the globe. So that really opened up a lot of uh, opportunities for me. And um, yeah, I was opportune to go to a conference in Vienna there to represent the organization. And um, yeah, so from there, I got the opportunity for the for the masters, the Erasmus masters in urban climate and sustainability. So basically that was how I got into this, this um, climate sustainability space. Yeah, now climate and sustainability is the buzzword. But since for me, since I've since I've been studying, I've always been within the climate and sustainability. It's just now that everybody's trying to look for a way to come into the arena. But I feel like I've been within the climate and sustainability because I studied that for five years. So yeah. my bachelor's in meteorology was for five years. <laughs> that is so interesting. Do you as as you speak, I just also, you know, thinking back on, you know, the background check that I did um, on you on LinkedIn and social media platforms, there's a very yeah. strong sustainability and young voice that, you know, that comes out so that uh, you are passionate about representing young people in, you know, in the sustainability space. Um, and also, you know, just this, the, the, the whole thing of you being in, you know, a field that does not, it's not conventional. It's not something that yeah. everyone knows about or everyone just readily goes into. Just, you know, talk to us about what does your PhD entail? What What is it that you do? I think you're in your third year um, PhD, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so what, what does that entail? Um, yeah, so basically I am doing a PhD in uh, the title of the PhD is uh, Future Cities Engineering. So we know that uh, as the global population is expanding, there's a need to actually build more and more housing because shelter is one of the most important human rights that in my own world, in my view, I feel shelter, shelter clothing and food, these three things are like should be a human right that no matter who you are or how poor you are, you must have a right to food, clothes, and shelter. You must have a roof over your head. So yeah. uh, I'm doing a PhD now in um, future cities engineering. So I'm basically looking at how to make buildings more energy efficient, because we know that the building and construction sector accounts for over 40% of the global energy use and as well 40% of the CO2 emission as well. So, and this is not just, this is from the whole life cycle of a building, from the way we source the materials to the way we actually transport it, to the way we design a building, to the way the building is used, the operational usage, to the way the end of life of the building, how we dismantle, or uh, yeah, basically the whole life cycle from, from gate to gate. So it's um so I'm looking at how to make buildings more energy efficient, but from the perspective of sustainable earth material. Earth material is something that has been used for thousands of years, like basically stones, clay, and all the natural materials that we have around us. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm I'm testing like if we use this kind of materials, what is the impact on the indoor energy use? 
what is also the impact on the outdoor neighborhood microclimate because we know that now the 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 due to climate change there's actually been a rise in summer heat waves like in major cities where traditionally the heat wave is like is unheard of but now the rise of summer heat wave is very very common nowadays especially in europe like in france in london like these cities that are conventionally in colder climates but now during the summer temperature can get to as high as 30 39 40 45 actually yeah. so it's becoming very common now so i'm looking at what if if we use this material to build what will they will that help to reduce the energy use inside and also will it help to reduce the neighborhood thermal comfort how comfortable would be, would people be and would that also add to the entire city scale like at the city level will a city built out of earth uh be be more livable will it be more livable especially with the rise of uh, summer heat waves so that's i'm looking at the multi scale from the inside to outside to the city to that if we use this material not just of course we know all the cities are built already i'm also looking at to retrofit existing building stock like how do we can we leverage these materials you know why these materials are good because they are natural we don't have to transport them to like they they require less energy to to manufacture because they are readily available so it's and uh, and also for example clay has a high a hydrothermal property that is able to regulate the indoor is it has it serves as a thermal bridge is able to regulate the indoor temperature like when outside is 40 inside the, a, a clay or traditional building can be as low as uh, 40 outside maybe inside can be like 22 23 or something like that so that's that's basically what I'm 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 looking at Oh, that's uh, quite interesting. As you speak, I'm I'm looking around, you know, the building I'm sitting in. It's uh, quite a modern building. And I I see, you know, a, a lot of plastic uh, materials. So I would, you know, for instance, the piping, uh, electrical mm. piping that's happening, you know, the plugs, the floors. There is a lot of sort of unsustainable or non-sustainable material that uh, is being used in modern building. Does are, are you proposing that uh, you know these material that we're so accustomed to be done away with? Is that what your strategies is is proposing? No, no, not entirely be done away with because we we know each the reason why we're using this material in the first place is because they are kind of. They have different reasons like they, they have like for example in terms of the the strength of their materials especially with the advent of urbanization buildings are getting high and high and high like if you a modern a modern city is characterized by high-rise buildings like 30 yeah. floors 40 floors that's one of the reasons why we are using this material like steel is because it's, it's, it has a good strength. Like you can build with steel up to like almost maybe 50 floors, 100 floors. Like if you go to Dubai and all the Singapore and all these modern cities, like their buildings are like unimaginable. <laughs> and this is because of the kind of materials they use. 
So I I I wouldn't say we're entirely doing away with this. It's it has its pros and cons. But what I'm looking at is what if we look back? There's a reason why the, for example, hundreds of years ago, the Mayan civilization, the Chinese civilization, there's a reason why they were building with that. You know, it's like yeah. the Great Wall of China and all this, like if you go to all these temples that have been built for like 600 years, 500 years, a thousand years, these are all built with natural stuff that are available. So, and th those buildings are still standing. And if you get inside, they have, uh, even though for centuries, they are still there. So we, we just need to look back to actually be able to look forward. So basically, um, it's basically for us looking back to learn from what has been done before and then seeing how we can apply it now by not entirely changing everything, like not entirely changing all the building materials. No, it's like, where can we adopt this to make it more sustainable? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I suppose my, my follow-up question then would almost be how important is plastic in the building you know engineering space um is it essential that we have um as much plastic as we, we see i mean i've just counted you know the amount of plastic i see in this office that i'm sitting at in this room that i'm sitting at that uh, there is you know a very hard tendency to lean towards plastic um, material um and also you know there's now you know it's just like plastic buildings that are coming up or buildings that are made of plastics um mm. that are, are now coming up in the name of recycling you know so is is plastic important in the building engineering space oh uh, yes i yeah plastic is quite important and not just the conventional plastic that we know there is uh, something called the engineering plastic engineering plastic are more durable like compared to the regular plastic that that we have and they are they are ideal because they have um, they can withstand stress and they also they can withstand wear and tear so it's um it's not like the everyday plastic that we have and also the plastic the reason why we use plastic is also because it is lightweight like for example for the pipe if we're going to do a pipe from, let's say, 50 floors down, we won't use, like, we're not going to use metal for that because metal will be too heavy. So plastic is good in terms of that to help when we when we need something to be lightweight, it's, yeah. it's, it's good. And it's also resistant to uh, corrosion as well. It doesn't corrode over time compared to, to metal. So that's also... And also with plastic, it's easily, you can easily mold it into any shape that you want. So it's also one of the, another advantage of, of that. So it's, it's it basically, I won't say plastic is entirely bad. If it's, I would say it's good if we use it in the right way and in the right proportion. And we use it only when we really need to use it not just just using it without consequence like every time we use it there should be a need like basically 
you know, weighing the uh, cost benefits, like was the, is it better to use it in terms, like in this situation? So it's not just all situation that we need to use uh, plastic. It should be case by case basis. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a, a medical practitioner who almost echoed the same words, right? And they would say, plastic is very important in the medical field because when you think about, you know, sterilization, when you mm. think about sanitization and, and also lightweight and durability, and you know all those very good properties. Um, you you actually you know alluded to um the cradle to cradle. Oh yeah, of, the life cycle. Yeah, the life cycle of plastic, of, plastic yeah. of, of building, not of plastic of building. Um, yeah, you know, a, a sustainable, you know, building just of producing a sustainable building. So yeah. with that, there, there is an article here that um I came across that uh, mm. sort of speaks to that and um, it, it talks about reducing environmental plastic pollution by designing polymer materials for managed end of life when when mm. you talk cradle to cradle um are you speaking you know you know that the material must be thought through from the beginning to the end of life and the end of life should now also be plan for beforehand do you know what i mean so you know what, yes. what waste what we know waste as now you know a human being would say um i would use a bottle of uh, coca-cola or of water uh and then uh consume that and once that it's done then it's not my business what happens to it but with mm. cradle to cradle if i i understand what she's saying is that you plan for the afterlife. You say, okay, the, this, you know, particular table um, can sustain, um, can be used as a table for its life now, but should mm. there come a time when this table no longer serves its purpose or is required to serve this purpose, then it can be repurposed into something else. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, yes, yes. So um, when we talk about the whole life cycle from cradle to cradle means even, for, for instance, I'll use buildings as an example. Okay. Yeah. Before we design a building, we need to think about um, how that buildings, there's a lot of things that go into uh, designing a building. So we need to think about how the building is going to be used. And then once the building, let's say the life cycle of a building is, let's say, 50 years or 100 years, after the 100 years, how are we going to dispose of, of each of the constituent materials in, the, in that building? So that's because of that, that's what uh, nowadays there's a new field called modular building. So modular building is basically making sure that from the design stage, we are able to reuse every part if not every like a great part like a higher percentage of that building in other kind of for other kind of purposes like from the way we design the the roof to the way we design the wall to the way we design the the different basically the different uh constituent of that building we need to think through it to see okay can we reuse this in something else 
that is something that has not really been factored in in the last like years since the industrial age uh like even now there's a new set of buildings are coming up that you're actually factory fitted buildings where the entire building is is designed and is already half built in the factory and you just move it and come go to the sites and just lay the foundation and like put everything together like lego that's a new field called modular building modular construction where the buildings are designed off-site and then designed and manufactured off-site and then brought to 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 sites to just plug and play like fit everything together so yeah when we think about the, the in those kind of buildings that kind of the whole cradle to cradle has been thought of and has been actually factored into the way it's it's uh, it's designed so i think when we now bring plastic into this whole situation this whole uh arena we we have to think about every plastic that is used in that building is there a way we can actually re reuse it somewhere else if we can't reuse it can we recycle it is it easy because that's also something else now if we're trying to reuse something that has not been thought of to be reused then we'll decide to recycle it nowadays recycling costs a lot more than just disposing it off and manufacturing a brand new one because of the whole life cycle situation where the design, the, the material was not designed to be recycled. Now we are spending a lot to try to recycle it just because we are trying to sustainable. That's, it doesn't make business sense. That's why a lot of people will just, a lot of companies will just dispose of the, the, the material and just produce a new one because it's cheaper to produce a new one than recycle uh, uh the old one so it's i think like we're saying the other time uh to actually tackle this situation i think there are two the other parts of tackling this situation is top it has to start from the is a top-down solution uh so for the top-down solution i think it goes back to the whole policy like the government, the policymakers will make laws that will mandate, that must mandate every plastic producers to factor that in, making sure that as you are producing, as you are manufacturing this plastic, you have to think of not just from the physical uh, uh, constituent of it, I mean, even going down to the molecular, the molecular and the chemical part of it. Is it easy to, will it be easy to recycle this material in? 20 30 40 50 years down the line like that shows like once when we talk when we think about this then we factor that into the way we design the the chemical properties of that material if we throw it into landfill will it be will it we hope it will not contaminate the landfill the land with a hazardous chemical so thinking about that will help us really design a better form of chemical or come up with a, an innovative chemical that can actually be, that is not hazardous and can actually just dissolve over the years on the ground, in the ground. And uh, yeah, I think that's, I've said a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, you have really said a lot. And um, I think it's quite a bit to digest um, because as you were speaking, I'm thinking, you know, of other forms of uh, you know, just uh, plastic that would be paint. So I'm thinking 
Okay, so now, you know, you, you would almost have to think about what kind of paint, you know, you'd want to put on the walls so that they can be eventually reusable or, you know, recycled, um, you know, mm. to a, at, at a later stage. So it's it, it seems like engineering has just become, you know, more of like a pre sort of thought through you know, just a subject or, or field that you, you really need to think about the end of life. It's no longer, you know, just enough to think about what you want to build and how brilliant it's going to be and the purpose is going to serve at present. But you almost have to think about the sustainability of it or, you know, just this, how yes. sustainable is, 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 you know, your building or your masterpiece that you're producing. Yes. Yeah, I think the whole sustainability uh, discourse is actually pushing engineering to a new, like an, an uncharted territory. Basically, we are basically coming up with clever ideas to 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 tackle this whole sustainability um, uh, discussion. Yeah, you're right about that. It's, uh, for example, if architects, you know, architects work in hand in hand with engineers, civil engineers. Like for example, if an architect designs a building and you know, with crazy shapes and crazy ideas that yeah, architects they are very innovative, yeah, they are very artistic. So they can come up with really nice uh ideas to design a building. But then when we bring that to the engineering aspect of it, as an engineer who is not just uh, who is uh, as an engineer who is uh who has the mindset of sustainability in mind, when you look at that design, you can see that, okay, no, if we if we really design this building that you are proposing, Mr. Architect, will it, it's, it will be difficult to recycle this material in the next 50 years. If if, if the life cycle of that building, if um, uh, end of life of buildings in the next 50 or 100 years, what if we tweak this design to make, let's say, if the panel is supposed to be curved at 72 degrees or whatever, and that's the design the architects brought to the engineer. As an engineer, you have to go back to the architect and tell the person that, no, instead of 72 degrees, what if we make it at 90 degrees so that in 50 years time, we can easily just pick that steel and then reuse it somewhere else. But if we make it at 68 degrees, it's going to be difficult. It's you require a lot of energy to recycle that steel, like to take it back to the factory and change the whole design to make it straight. So it's it goes back to you know we talk hand in hand with the designing, the planners, the architects, the engineers. So it's a whole, not just the engineering team only. Like it's yeah. a whole big, entire uh, uh, teams from the different perspective of of a building. So I'm talking with regards from a building perspective because that's what I am working on. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think it's just, you just spot on, you know, as you are speaking, um, and also once again, you just want to revert to that, uh, you know, medical conversation that I had, um, you know, where engineers would build, you know, sort of a machine in terms of like when you're speaking AI, because everything is AI inspired, you know, these mm. days. So an engineer would, would go ahead and, and build this machine 
um, mm. that would be able to enable, you know, the doctor, the physician to be to in, uh, input information in it. But it yeah. it 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 it, it has to be two ways, you know. So it there has to be that interdisciplinary approach. Almost, you can't yes. just expect, you know, one you know part to be done and then only you know the other. So it doesn't work like that anymore. Um, you know, there is this push towards um, interdisciplinary approach in 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 creating and and trying to solve you know current issues. It's no longer enough mm -hmm. to say I I work in my own little corner and I, mm -hmm. I I know this much. It's very important that we interrelate um i think just finally you know do you think that you know the engineering has a role in fighting pollution oh yes i think engineers have a role to play because who are those people who build societies engineers are the ones that build society every infrastructure we have today is, was built by engineers from the bridge to the buildings, to the canal, to everything. So basically, engineers are builders. They build stuff. And if you're going to tackle something, you have to go to people who really build that thing. Like you have to, like the, this whole first principle, who are the people who build cities? Is architects and engineers. Architects design it and engineers make it come to reality. So yeah, basically engineers have a role to play in that. Uh, like, for example, the example I was given previously, like, uh, as an engineer, you have to think about the the way the building will be used, not just will be used. And then you also have to think about how the people are going to use it. And then if at the end of the building, at the end of life of the building, how the building will be disposed of. So if you have this, this mindset at the back of your mind, you'll that would help you to it will help guide your decision in terms of designing how the building would look like so i think yeah definitely for instance in terms of the plastic if if you're using if you're supposed to use the different plastic in let's say in the plumbing let's say in the plumbing from the fifth floor or let's say from the 20th floor to the to the ground floor you know everything that is used in the building has to go down like no matter how tall the building is you have to pipe it down so if you have this mindset that would help to design how many pipes how long the pipe is going to be should we take the pipe just straight down or should we just have like a central holding holding tank at every fifth floor or something like that you know those kind of design decisions are are, are very 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 key and um at the end of the life of the building, then you have to think about, okay, this whole entire plastic um, um, pipes or tanks or whatever, how are we going to dispose it off? Do we have a, a good logistics on ground, a good supply chain that when we're done with it, there's a logistics that will take it from where we're done and they will take it to another place to recycle or whatever, like this kind of you know, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a, it takes a whole village to make uh, the whole. It, it takes a whole village to make sustainability a reality. So not just the engineers, but very critically, engineers are, are very important to to the entire discourse. 
That is amazing. Um, I think it's it's not a one man show. It's not something that you know, we can just look at and say, it's not our responsibility. I, I don't think we have that leverage anymore. Do you know what I mean? I think we are mm -hmm. at a point where we need to just look at things holistically and, and, and really understand that, you know, what, what is the future that we want to have and what is it that our role is, you know, particularly the educated and the learned, um, you know, sort of, personnel you know that mm. should know better you know and are, are we doing better are we holding each other accountable are we not repeating the mistakes of the past because i i would tell you you know there's so many mistakes that were made in the science field that mm -hmm. um you know we know better not to repeat and it's it sounds to me um, as if, you know, it's the same thing in the engineering space and the same thing in the um, in the medical space, hence this interdisciplinary approach that is emerging. Of course, yeah. it's not um, it's not comfortable because it pushes everyone out of their comfort zone. Comfort um, zone. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming and sharing insight on us because uh, I think as a, as an engineer and as a person who builds, you know, who just produces, it, it, yeah. it must be quite difficult to just now think sustainability and think conservation and think, um, you know, climate change and all of that. So it was quite interesting to hear your thoughts on, uh, yeah, on, on what is it that uh, you think about, you know, the sustainability of sustainable building. Yes, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. And I look forward to sharing this with uh, friends while. Thank you. And um, all the very best with your PhD. Um, yeah, I think maybe once your project has, you know, just come to pass, we'll come back again and, um, yeah, and speak on it. And, uh, yeah, we'll hear from you in the near future. And all the very best for now. Thank you. Bye. Bye.